got Triple B's in the building. Big baller brand supports the NBA buzz and the inside buzz. We with you, man. Triple B style. Hi, and welcome to episode 26 of Inside Buzz. I'm your host, Mikey Domagala. Just want to give a shout out to all my friends and all my listeners out there wishing you a happy new year, 2021. Episode 26 brings in an old friend of the show. Josh Powell is back for the second time. He was my third guest on Inside Buzz back about a year and a half ago, and Josh is a two-time NBA champion from 2009 to 2010 and an eight-year NBA veteran. Back in episode three, we discussed his entire 15-year professional basketball career, whether that's playing in the NBA or overseas, different countries he's played in, different players he's played with. But this episode specifically, we're going to talk about his two years with the Los Angeles Lakers in 2009 and 2010. We're just a few days away from the one-year anniversary of the death of Kobe Bryant, and Josh is going to enlighten us with a lot of Kobe Bryant stories, his relationship with him, and more. Josh, welcome back to Inside Buzz, this time episode 26. I appreciate you circling back around and joining me again. Appreciate you for having me, my brother. No problem. And Josh, you know, before this interview and yesterday, you were on my NBA Buzz Instagram comment section. You had some thoughts on Shaq and Chuck really being criticized by NBA players by the way they criticize modern-day NBA players, more so specifically Shaq, where a big man might put up 14 and 10, and Shaq might say, oh, that guy's nothing. I would have 25 and 20 in this era. So I want to get your thoughts on Shaq, Chuck, and all those guys really bashing the modern-day players. I don't want to say bashing, man. I, I think that everyone is entitled to their opinions because I, I also feel that a lot of the fans or supporters don't think about the fact of how many conversations NBA guys have behind closed doors and may say the same things about other NBA players, former, current, you know what I mean, or whatever. Um, I just feel that, you know, should there be a lot just as much criticism, there should always be a piece where we praise and give love and do things like that. Um, but we, I mean, I think just understanding who and and the people that are doing it, that, I mean, just, just let that be. And, and it's on both sides because it's interesting is just as much as, for example, the things that, you know, Shaq said, for example, when it came to, to James and, and that whole situation, he came back with a very uh, strong response. And I didn't necessarily think that anything was wrong with, you know, how he shared his views on that, on that situation. So it's a, it's a give and take on both, man. I feel that a lot of times we, we spend and waste a lot of time going back and forth on what people are saying and this, that, and the third. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinions and how they move about things. I mean, you know, everybody complains about Shaq. They complain about uh, Chuck. They complain about um, Kendrick Perkins. They complain about Stephen A. I mean, it's a it's a list of, you know, reporters, journalists, people that are, you know, on TV or doing what they're doing. And, it, and it's always going to be something. And the, and the reason why I just wanted to share my thoughts is because I'm in media now, you know what I mean? And doing, doing the Reach Radio and, and stuff like that. And um, you know, we talk about a numerous amount of different subjects and, you know, we're all four of us are going to share our opinions on it. And some people are going to like it and some people aren't. So it's just, the, it's just the nature of the beast. Just like I see how people are always on you for a misspelling or something, or it's like people are so focused on the, the, the small ticky tack stuff all the time. And, you know, it just shows that we're all human, you know, at the end of the day. So. That's all, man. We, we got to get off of that, man. There's some bigger, bigger things going on in the world for us to keep worrying about what folks saying. And if you don't like it, you know what I mean? And just, you know, perform and do what you got to do. That's the only way to shut anybody up. It's true, man. Us in the media, and especially recent on NBA Buzz, like you're saying, in the like you've been seeing in the comments, people are on me like crazy. Why don't you post about this, post about that? You post too about the Lakers and not about Giannis. Why are you... Why are you posting Giannis's missed free throws when you could be posting LeBron's? I'm just like, you know, it's, you can't please everybody. And that's, that's kind of what I've been seeing. And along the, what you just said. Oh, big, big facts. You know what I mean? And, and the other thing is too, is can't nobody tell you how to run your page or run your mouth. Like you got, you know, you, you're a grown man. This is, this is your platform. This is what you're doing. So you got to do it how you feel is best. 
And if that's the case, then I feel like those people who are so critical then get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Become a sports analyst, become a journalist, become a beat writer, become whatever it is that you feel a certain way about. Just like I would advise people that you want to talk about the guys, the players who are making all of this money and they're making mistakes or doing this, then try out. Get on the team. Go through the workouts. Be disciplined. You feel me? Like, we, we got to cut all this, man. Like, everybody got something to say. But then, you know, a lot of these people aren't, aren't you know, even in a position in order to, to understand what it's like being in those situations. And with you talking about Shaq, that leads me to this question. I mean, you went against Shaq in your career. Put him in 2021, where the center position, you know, it's maybe not as great as it was back in Shaq's day. What does Shaq do in his prime in 2021? I think Shaq still would be dominant in any area. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't think that that would be a problem. I mean, the the thing that'll be interesting though is the fact that because of today's game, that all of the bigs are on the outside a lot. You know what I mean? So now now you're gonna have to move your feet. You're gonna have to be in a position where typically you wouldn't have been in that position when when he was currently playing as much as as you know they are now. Like, I mean, you you gotta look at the unicorn and. And, you know, the Joker and guys like that who stay on the perimeter, you know what I mean? Porzingis can shoot the ball from anywhere out on the on the court. Um, it's just a different day and age. And, and then if they go small ball, you know what I mean? Just just that look. Like, of course, offensively, he he's going to dominate. You know what I'm saying? But then it's like, how does that look defensively? You know, what what if guys are peeling the skin off? What if you go against a team like the Golden State Warriors and they decide to play small ball or they have a bunch of shooters out there on the court? You know, you're going to have to give up something somewhere. So, again, you know, guys like Shaq, man, that can dominate in any era, is, he can probably average 40 and 20. You know, that's great. But does the 40 and 20, you know, lead to – championships does it lead to winning that that's the only thing you know and, and a lot of people can't say yes or no to that because the game is so different and josh back in 2011 when you were in the league david stern vetoed a trade that would have sent chris paul to the la lakers along with kobe bryant lakers would give up Pau gasol lamar odom some other pieces and that trade was vetoed now in 2021 we got kevin durant james harden and kyrie irving on the same team I'm not saying that should be vetoed, but if that could go through, why didn't the 2011 trade go through? God rest his soul. I think it's only one person that can answer that. You know what I mean? Um, because there's so many trades that have gone through since then. There's been so many teams that have been put together since then. I don't know what the cause was behind that. I, I really can't call it. Um, potentially, that could have been a chance for Cove to get another two or three rings. Um, so that's a great question. I think no matter who you ask that to, the only person that really could could answer that is, you know, resting in peace, man. So I don't know. I don't like it. But again, that's the, the business. Yep. You know, that's unfortunately how unfair it could be sometimes, man. But it's a great point. And I think, I think that's why they've, they've been allowing everything to go through since. So <laughs> It's crazy because, Josh, if you look at it, like I said, the Lakers would give up Powell and Odom. And those you played with those guys. You know how important they were to Kobe. So substitute those guys for Chris Paul, who would make Kobe excellent, of course. It's It kind of boggles my mind that it didn't go through. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the, on the Nets this season. Do you think they have what it takes to go to the finals and maybe even win the finals? Of course I think they have what it takes. Um, but just like any team, you know, chemistry, coming together, you know, things like that is what wins championships. When you look at 2011 when the Heat lost, you know, that was their first year together. It took them a year to figure it out. You know, they had to figure out what was going on. They, they went to the finals, but they fell short. Um, obviously, you know, they, they won two out of three following that. But it's still, you know, it takes a lot of different things, man. And then, you know, you talk about health. You talk about, you know, a lot of certain things. And I think on their first game, um, they scored almost 100 points, which scoring is not the issue. Um, but then defense, rebounding, you know, all the energy, like stuff like that is what they're giving up. And then, and then the crazy thing was that they played Cleveland again. Cleveland got the dub again. 
when I looked at all the rebounding numbers, I think whoever had a high for uh, the Nets, and don't quote me on this, I know we just talking because I skimmed over it. I think the most rebounds somebody had was like six, I believe. Something like that. I could be wrong. Um, but from Cleveland side, I think they had two guys in double digit rebounding. And I mean, I just, you know, all they just out rebounding and stuff like that. So, and I don't think Durant didn't play, correct? Yeah, he didn't play. Right. He didn't so, play last night. Right. So, you know, again, it's just different factors. Um, I think they definitely have what it takes. You know, um, I hope that they keep the team because I've seen that there's been trade rumors again, supposedly. Um, but it's just a crazy business, man. And, and you know, the way people are, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, they they got to figure it out, though. Because, I mean, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, right? They've been stacked for the last few years. And they're getting to where they're, where they're supposed to be, but they're not getting over that hump. Yeah. So, you know, when I when I think of teams like the Spurs, you know, the Lakers or whoever else, when the Heat was winning and stuff like that, chemistry, togetherness, that, that team atmosphere, it means a lot. And that's the thing that people don't think about. That's something that doesn't show up in stat sheets. That's something that, you know, obviously with analytics nowadays, they don't take into account. Like you're putting together these super teams. But then if everybody's not willing to, to you know, come together, like like the way the, the Boston Celtics did in 2008, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? And even for you guys in 2009 and 2010, look at your bench with yourself, Trevor Ariza, Jordan Farmar, Shannon Brown. I'm You know, there's more, of course. But you guys all played a specific role on that team where if Kobe needed some minutes down, Powell needed some minutes down, you guys could substitute in there and really, you know, carry the weight. Yeah, and and it's important, you know what I mean? And and th- that's another thing that's that's very vital to any team is whenever a guy is down or sits out or maybe going through something that everybody else is able to pick up, you know what I mean, the slack and where where that where that was left off. So um again, when you talk about championship basketball, when you're talking about winning and stuff like that, there's a different formula that's not going to show up in stat sheets, it's not going to be a part of any scouting report and things like that that is very important and that happens throughout the year you know what i'm saying so all the all the drama and and everything else that's going on man i just hope they can figure it out and then it's also interesting too that each one of those three guys have a different a unique way of leading so to have them come together you know what i mean and have everybody follow is a different thing now the great thing for them is when you get a guy like a steve nash as your head coach he has a temperament about himself obviously two-time MVP, how he won when he was a player. I mean, he's a floor general. So leadership is leadership. So when you get guys like that, you know, that makes it easier for everybody else to also follow too. Of course, Josh, we're just a few days away from the one-year anniversary of the passing of your brother, Kobe Bryant. Where were you that day when you got the news? And how over the last year, looking back, how has that news changed yourself? Like, do you act differently you look at life in a different perspective? Mike, you, you always know that I'm, I'm all about positivity and vibes, um, you know, continuing to grow and get better. It's kind of crazy, too, that my birthday is the 25th, so it's like one of those things that's kind of tough to go from a high to kind of like a, a low because of that. Um, but, I mean, I, I definitely think it's changed my perspective on life because you get someone like that, you know, high, high, just an icon, you know what I mean? Somebody that's globally recognized, somebody that's changed the way we view basketball, um, someone who exemplifies greatness, not just on the court, but off. I mean, the things that he was also doing business-wise and his ideas behind stuff. Um, And then, you know, obviously as a husband, but I think as a father, you know, the fact that, you know, we lost nine people, so I don't want to not recognize everyone. But again, we weren't as familiar, and I say that respectfully, to the other seven. Um, so when you heard the news, all they talked about was Cove and then possibly his family, his daughter, you know what I mean? So for me, as a father, it definitely touched me 
Um, because I know for myself and in my situation, like I'm fighting for my kids every day, um, you know, to have a relationship, to, to, to be present, to show them how much I love and miss them. Um, and, and to know that, you know, Cove was not going to have that chance to walk his daughters down the aisle, um, to, you know, meet the first, you know, meet the boyfriends or, or husbands or, or, you know, spend time with his grandkids or, you know, just things like that. Um, it definitely, it definitely, um, it hurts, man. It's a, it's a wake up call. Um, um, because he's, he's somebody that's viewed as a superhero. I don't know. And there's been a lot of passings, but especially when you talk about in the black community, I don't, I don't know anybody bigger. You know what I'm saying? That in the way that it happened. Um, and that's, that's, that's just my opinion on that. Um, and it, and it hurts, man. You know, I, I feel for, for everybody because he's touched so many people's lives, you know, for sure. And when you first came on, I can be wrong. Did I see a, a new Kobe Bryant tattoo on your, on your hand? Oh yeah. I actually, um, yeah, I went and got that. Um, let's see, like a month. I think I got it right before I went to the funeral. But yeah, I, I immediately hit my artist up and I said, bro, like we gotta do this. And not not only did I get Kobe and Gigi, but um last year was a, a crazy year. And um Anthony Grundy, who was a brother of mine, um, who actually played at NC State when I was there, he played for the Hawks a little bit, had a, a long stint overseas. He was murdered uh by his uncle, uh stabbed to death at a at a family function. Um Uncle cut something like it was a family member. Um, and then Andre Emmett, which was another brother of mine, you know what I mean? Another hooper um, who was murdered at, you know, at his house. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, it's just tough, man. Um, those are, those are three people in the, in the range of 41 and, and, um, 37 that lost their lives early, you know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, all of those guys, you know, fathers, husbands, um, brothers, friends. Um, so I actually got all of this at the same time. I got Dre and eight and uh, Anthony Grundy. And then I got Cove and Gigi on my hand, uh, just to pay homage. Amazing, man. And of course, my condolences are with you. 2020 horrible year for everyone, man. And it's just, Sounds like it was really tough on you. Let's hope 2021 is better for sure. And, you know, 2008, uh, 2007, 2008, you're coming off career highs with the Clippers. Six points per game, five rebounds per game, 19 minutes per game. How did you get to the Lakers right after that? Who recruited you? I think that, um, and, and that's the one thing I tell people, man, I'm, I'm beyond grateful for the Clippers because that was – the one stint I had in the NBA to show what I could do because we had so many people injured and out. So we were down to like eight guys <laughs> for the, for the last like two months of the season. And obviously I'd had some time before that in and out, you know, replacing and filling in. And, and it's funny because every time I played the Lakers, it was a great game. It was a double double when I did play in the last couple of months. Like I said, I really had a chance to showcase what I could do. My numbers, that was my numbers for the year, but my numbers as a starter, I think, were somewhere like like 11.8, like almost 12 points per game, and then it was like eight, nine rebounds a game. It was something like that. Um, but, man, I, I just – it was just night after night, double-doubles, um, you know, tw uh, 21 and, and 8 or 22 and 10. Like, it was just – being able to hoop and not worry about anything, which I wish um, guys like me who, you know what I'm saying, like could get a chance to really showcase that. I think they're doing it more now, but the game has changed. You know, it used to be back then, it was like a guy that came off the bench averaged between 8 and 12 points. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But now you, you can get a guy averaging 20 like it's nothing. You can get a guy – putting up 20 points in 20 minutes like it's nothing. Like, the, there's no defense or anything. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's no knock. Um, but we have the San Antonio Spurs to thank for that. 
We have the Detroit Pistons to thank for that. You know, got like teams like that that played lockdown defense and you're scoring in the in the in the seventies and the eighties. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's crazy because I understand that the game is about evolving. But I think people who really study the game and appreciate it can appreciate the fact of team, you know, play on both ends, especially from a defensive end, because it's funny that on one end, you, you, everybody's loving all these points and everything, but on the other end, you know, there's not really any defense. Now, will the new guy say that I'm hating now, that I'm pointing out facts? I don't know. You never <laughs> you know. know. You never know. You know what I mean? But it's, it's there's, there's statistics that show that. And there are other people that have played the game a long time that understand that even i'm sure some of the guys now like that that's why you can appreciate the the pat beverly's or the pj tuckers or the rob covington's or the whoever you know guys that are still around because there's a need for that on the team like it's important you know what i'm saying when houston went small ball in the bubble right all the stats you saw was pj and how he was locking people up or doing this and doing that so, you know, like, I just wish people would appreciate the game being played the right way because no matter what, it seems like there's a complaint about everything. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, instead of enjoying great basketball. And, and here's the other kicker, and it's crazy. You can't do that with baseball, and you can't do that with football, right? Good point. It's, it's, great it, point. Is, it is what it is in both of those sports, soccer and anything else. But it's like basketball, oh, it's boring. You know, we want to see dunks. We want to see this. We want to see that. And then when you get it, it's like, man, these boys don't play no D. They soft. All right, well, what the f do y'all want then? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do y'all want to see a good brand of basketball? Which I feel like the bubble showed that, right? We haven't yep. seen basketball as good as that in the past 10, 15, maybe 20 years. I'm talking about night in, night out. Every game was good. Game was good. Yep. Good, good defense. Solid, solid hustle. Really not caring about uh, the fans in the crowd, just going out there and hooping. Hooping. And, and that's the thing that when I think about the game, like, okay, if they score high numbers and doing stuff like that, I can accept that because there's no distractions, no nothing. Everybody's just playing basketball. And that's what I appreciated about the bubble. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Now, Josh, back to those the minutes back then and you getting that opportunity – you go from the Clippers to the Lakers, and I read an article where Kobe said he appreciated your hard work so much, you were always ready, whether you had to go in and play five minutes or start a game. Now, those inconsistent minutes when you're used to getting all those starts with the Clippers, was it tough because the Lakers were so deep? I want to say this for everybody, and especially the guys that are in my position, you know, whether retired or currently, it's, it's always hard, especially when... I know the amount of work that I put into my craft. I want to show that. I'm not, I'm never, I'm not the guy that's just like, I'm cool with getting a check. So it's, it's very hard, especially when, for example, my first start with the Lakers, 17 and nine, my first start. So that goes to show that I got some shit to my game. You know what I'm saying? You just need the opportunity. You just need the opportunity. And there's so many guys that don't get the opportunity. So you have to play a role. And my role was always defender, um, rebounder, energy guy. Um, do You know, I have a, a, a great basketball mind, you know, make the right play, do the right things. But then it's not, it's not always appreciated. And then it's funny because you get people, right, I think it was a dude on, on, on your page when I was commenting, and he was like, is this the same guy that averaged five points and three rebounds? And it's like, bro, that's all you got? Like, we not past that as, as, as a grown man. That, that's your favorite comeback? Like, who are you? And, and, bro, you only average this. And it's like, listen, man, you'll get your ass bust anytime, any day, no matter what's going on. Like, I don't, I don't really be tripping on, on stuff like that, man, because people really don't understand that people that make it to that level, man, they can play. They can play really good. They, they, everybody in the league is not terrible. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a talent. Some are different than others. There are some that are not offensively gifted, but they play D. We've seen that. We've seen a lot of guys get paid. You know what I'm saying? Good money to play their role. 
There are guys that shoot the peel off the ball and they can't dribble. You know what I'm saying? There are guys who are playmakers, but they can't shoot. Mm-hmm. So everybody's great at what they do. Like, why somebody, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not an appreciation because of this, that, and the third, but shit, if you in your household as a man, you'll feel a way, right? You'll challenge your wife if she make you feel like you're not a man. And then, the, you know what I mean? I can I can give some crazy analogy to, to flip it, but it's like, right, when you talking about team, we all got a role to play. Like, let's cut that out. It's true, and you know exactly what it is, Josh. It's the social media effect. They could talk that crap to you, and they they don't have to pay any repercussions because, you know, they're not there with you. They're hiding behind the screen. So they could talk that smack. I want to get your thoughts on, on that stuff when you come across it. Man, I, I love it. You know, one of, one of the things I always start with is, well, I got time today, so if it's the energy you want, I'll give it to you. So <laughs> because... For me, it means nothing, man. And and it's been so many times that a guy will say something, then when you respond, they're like, oh, snap, he responded. You know what I mean? Like, And I think a lot of times people get a kick out of that, man. They, they say something in order to get a response. And then it's like it does something because now you're going back and forth because it's a lot of guys. It's like, bro, stop all that talking. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't take it personal, man. Everybody's going to talk. They're going to have an opinion. We got to get to the point of, in life where we stop letting words and things like that bother us so much. You know what I mean? But I'm not here to, to judge anybody that is bothered either. I just, I just would hope that we could not be as bothered and kind of focus our energy and efforts on so many different things, man, because every day that I continue to go down these rabbit holes and dig and find information, man, it's a lot going on, man, and people have no idea. First time you get to the Lakers, you sign the contract, you get to practice, you meet Kobe. What was that like? The man, the myth, the legend, man. You, <laughs> the first couple of months, because we just was working out and playing. So you would just see him around here and there. So you didn't really, he didn't say much, you know what I mean? Like, but that first day of training camp, I, I remember because, like, for me, I was a motor guy, rebounder, doing what I was doing. And he was like, now, who the fuck is this guy? You know what I'm saying? So caught his attention. And then I remember when um, we were doing the, the single double, which is basically like two bigs, and then the guards come together. They come off either way. So, you know, I'm trying to get my teammate off. And I popped him. And he was awesome. like, all right. He was like, all right, motherfucker, don't do that again. With what, an elbow? <laughs> Not with the screen. So oh, I, I, I leaned into it, you know what I mean? And, and um, I, I got his attention for sure. So you He know, likes he, that he, stuff. I know he, he likes He does it. like it. So he started talking, he started talking, and then uh, he came off again, and, and he popped me, but I popped him too. So it was like, it was just one of those respect things, man. And, and from there, it was like, we just started to slowly build a bond, man. But, He's just very intense, you know, trash talker. You know, you definitely, his energy, he's going to raise the, the bar every time he comes in the building. You know, it's just the respect thing. It's just all of that, you know what I mean? When you get people like that and and being coached by greatness, you know, like Phil and that staff. So it's, it's, just, it's just amazing to be a part of, you know what I mean, soaking in the knowledge and the conversations and, and just being able to, get that game on and off the court. I mean, it was, it was incredible, man. I learned a lot, you know, and some of the things that I did learn, I still do to this day. Like I, my first time seeing Sage was with the Lakers. And then I started doing that actually in my house when I go places like, you know, doing stuff like that. And then I started to, to, to meditate. I started to, you know, just just practice stillness and, and doing certain things like that, man, and searching for answers, man. And I picked a lot of that stuff up with the Lakers. With Phil, what are some experiences where he brought out the sage or when he made you guys meditate? Was it before that 2010 Game 7? Was it other high, you know, high-energy situations where you guys just had to calm down? Whenever he felt the energy wasn't right, well, you best believe it's coming. So, you know, both years, especially year one, we would have like a 15-game straight winning streak. We'd have like a 17th straight game uh, winning streak. I mean, it was crazy. But even when we was winning, there were some times we would look bad. 
and he'd be like, all right, guys, enough of this. Like, he come in there, you know, <laughs> getting the whole build. He going through the whole thing. We'll come into the film sessions, and he'll dim the lights. He'll talk us through it. We'll, we'll meditate because he felt like we got to get on a better page. Like, he didn't like how we were performing on offense. He didn't like – he didn't think we were in tune defensively. Um he was he was always talking about like y'all are so dependent on Kobe. Like you gotta, you know, we gotta move the ball and it'll find its way back to Kobe if that's the case or the power or whoever. Like y'all keep breaking the rhythm and the in and the offense and stuff like that. He wasn't a fan of that. So everything for him was about discipline. It was it was about, you know, being uh decisive and, and the precisions of every cut, every this, every that. Um, as well as like the rotations and being on the same page and communicating and things like that. So um, whenever he felt like we wasn't on one accord, yeah, he definitely going to bring out the, the, the drum, the meditation, the sage, whatever. Hey guys, Mikey here. There's been a lot of movement in the NBA so far this year, the biggest one being the blockbuster trade which sent James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. Do you want a James Harden Brooklyn Nets jersey already, or any jersey of your choice, modern or classic, for 50% off? If so, visit thejerseyavenue78.com in the link in the description, or follow them on Instagram at thejerseyavenue78 to get yours. Limited time only, so get your jersey as soon as possible. Now, back to the interview. I read an article from 2010 where the reporter called you the Kobe Bryant hug guy, where you would go give him a hug before you know, before every game and kind of whisper something in his ear, whether you're joking or really striking that ego to make him play at his best. What were some of the things you'd, you'd tell Kobe to get him in that Mamba mentality? Be real, man. It was just me challenging him in different ways. I, I think that uh, regardless of his mentality and everything else, man, a guy like that still has to be pushed in some way, shape, or form. You know, when the game is, is that easy, you know, he'll have times where he's slacked off. You know, what maybe we were stretch and he's doing a lot of scoring, but he, right, according to the media. So then then I'd be like, you know, being serious. See if you go out here and get five, six assists in the first quarter, you know what I'm saying? Set the tone early. Just little things like that just to get him going, you know, as an example. You know what I'm saying? Um, definitely was a lot of fun things that I would put in his ear throughout, throughout those games and during the year. Um, but it's funny, man, that if you ask him to do something, he would do it. Like I've seen in practices, he might, you know, if we're going to 11, he'll score all 11. Then then, the, then the next time we scrimmage, he might be a playmaker. And then the next time we scrimmage, he might not touch the ball and just only play defense. Like it's crazy. But at the same time, with a guy like that who's obsessed with the game, man, you, you got to figure out ways to tap in. You know what I'm saying? And I think people still forget that he's human. You know, he might have some things going on at home. He might have some things going on with a business decision or maybe his body's hurting. You know, maybe he's got some ailments here or there or, or something sore or tight and it's not the same. So, you know, whatever, whatever you can, because, you know, everybody needs, you know, some type of inspiration or some type of something. Um, you know, you do it. And that was just something that was our thing. Like, he liked it. And, you know, I, I, I didn't mind doing it. And at the same time, I'm pushing him. It's like I'm making sure I stay locked in. So I can't, you know what I'm saying, come to him about something. And I come in the game, BS. So um, those were just fun times, man. So I had you on episode three of Inside Buzz about a year and a half ago. And you told me about your 3 a.m. workouts with Kobe. For all the new listeners since... Tell them about those experiences. Oh, man, we, we – at first, it was like a battle to see who got to the gym first. Um, and, like, if I learned that he was in there at 6, then I'm going to show up at 5.30. When he learned that I was in there at 5.30, he going to show up at 5. And it, and it just got to a point where we was just like, all right, man, what time are you going to be there? All right, we'll both just be there. You, you go on one end, I'll go on the other and every now and then, you know, we'll we'll join up together. Um, but I, for me, I wanted to learn from somebody like that. And I've had, I've been able to be blessed with a lot of the teammates that I've had. And, you know, whether it's been Cole, whether it's been, you know, Dirk, 
Jermaine O'Neal, I'm just thinking about like bigs and guys that play my position, um, Tim Duncan, um, whoever, you know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to learn from those guys, pick their brain. I wanted to see their workouts and be a part of them. Um, so it's another thing like, you know, when you're around greatness like that, why, why not soak that up? You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't waste those opportunities. And, and I obviously used that stuff and I got better each and every year. And then, um, cause I, I do training stuff now and, and just being able to give guys the game from those guys, you know, is, is also a plus too, to be able to pass that down, man. So that whole, you know, working out and doing stuff like that, man, there, there's power in it because, you know, it gives you an edge, you know what I'm saying? When you know that you're doing something at a time where nobody's doing it, you know, you've already started your day. You know, I, I remember a video Cobe had of talking about how he works, you know, the difference between a guy that starts his workout at 11 and then he eats and rests and does this and he might come back at five or six and then he might be done for the day versus he's in the gym from four to six, eat breakfast, chill, shoot shots, at, you know, from seven to nine, chill again, go back at it at one to three. You know what I'm saying? So he's like over the years, as he explained it, he was like, that, that's hours and hours that I'm getting ahead of my competition and leaving everybody behind. That's a different mindset. And outside of Kobe, in those two years, who, who are you specifically close with? Who would you spend a lot of time on the team playing with, going out to dinner with? I mean, we, we all was pretty close. And, and it was, it's crazy because, like, even when we were at home in L.A. Or, or especially on the road, like, we would all catch up from time to time, go party. Uh, go watch movies, go to dinners or, or little stuff like that. Um, obviously, everybody, you know, got their own cliques and stuff like that, but it does, it's not a bad thing. Um, I think me, it was me, Cole, Trevor, like year one, B-Fish and um, Shannon. That would be our little, our little group. And then... Um, yeah, the next year was pretty much the same. Like, Meta did his own thing for the most part. Um, and then, like, the other group was always, like, Sasha, uh, Sasha Lam was it Lamar, Luke, Jordan. Um, I think DJ was probably in that. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. They're all, you know, some of the starters, some of the bench on different, I'm not saying different sides, but like you said, different right. cliques almost, like hanging out. Interesting, yeah. interesting. And then I know for, for me, like outside of that, I hung out with Andrew uh, Bynum a lot. Like he was, me and him was real cool. Um, Powell would hang out too. I would, I'm trying to think, man. I know Powell Cole would kind of do their thing from time to time. It was just real different, like how everybody was gotcha. kind of about him. And how about like activities on the plane? So you got, would you guys play poker, cards, or anything like that? Not participate, but me and me and Bean would play um, checkers from time to time. Money involved? Absolutely not. <laughs> but the thing is, is I would, would kick, I would, I would kick his ass in checkers though. And I'm sure he'd he would hate that. it. He <laughs> would hate it. He would hate it, man. But um, it it was I've won more than than he's won. But it was some great battles, man. We used to always have fun and laugh and joke with each other. Um, so you're out in LA, of course. All the celebrities, all the famous nightclubs. Talk about the nightlife of being out as a Laker player. Celebrities you'd see, and then celebrities you'd see in the arena. Were you ever starstruck meeting somebody like that? From a party standpoint, uh, I mean, we saw people often, but. Um, anybody that knows LA, it's not really the club thing, it's the house parties. Everybody knows. <laughs> okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Because everything, everything closes early. So, you know, and that, like during that time, I mostly was hanging around like Polo to Don, Chris Brown and all of them. So like, I would be, that would be the folks that I was in company with. Um, but we, we went out often. I remember, um, uh, well, it wasn't the club, though, when we did it, but I remember we went and had dinner with Drake at this Italian spot. It was really good. Um, and I think I think the only time that I probably say I was tripped out was when Prince came to a, um, to the Boston game during Christmas, I think. Really? Any communication? Uh, or did man. Kobe get to talk to him? No. 
Because he's, he's very quiet, Prince. I don't know, man. But all I know is when he walked in there, man, you heard the whole arena, all the ladies going crazy. I'm like, what is going on? Because I think it was like he walked in during the timeout. So, you know, everybody already seen it. So it's like he kind of waited until, you know, everybody, he came in there, man, and they was going crazy. I'm like, bro, what is going on? And then you just see this little tiny person over on the other side, and they put him up on the board. Man, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. And, I mean, everybody's seen, everybody seen the Chappelle show. He's a baller, Prince. He's a, he's a baller back in his day. At five foot three or whatever it is. Blouses. <laughs> right, right? Second year, Meta World Peace. You know, him and Kobe used to battle it out in his Pacer days and when he was with the Rockets specifically. How were those practices with Meta guarding Kobe? Because Meta would always challenge him. He would always challenge him in the playoffs and really get in his, his face. He would. It was... It was interesting because obviously once we start practicing and, and, you know, the triangle is, is one of those offenses that, you know, it takes a lot of fine tuning. It took meta, like, a like, I don't think there were many practices where they were on opposite sides, trying to get everybody on the same page. Um, but when it did happen, I mean, you know, it was competitive, you know what I'm saying? Like Meta's that kind of, that kind of guy, man. And, and I know there's been times that, that during the summer when we would all hoop and just what, you know, what he brought to the table. I mean, you, you gotta love it. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the defender, real physical, scrappy, man. And he was good with that left hand swipe, you know, getting steals on people and stuff like that. It was crazy, man. But. It was some great battles, great battles. And you said you were specifically close with Andrew Bynum as well. Regarded as one of the best big men in the NBA, probably from like 09 to 2011 he was up there, averaging 15, 8, and 2 back-to-back years. What happened to Andrew Bynum, and why was his downfall so quick? I think the injuries... He had one big injury, I know, in 2012. Something something with his knee or his leg. It was still like a meniscus something here to take like three. You know what I mean? Like, because both times we was in the playoffs, it happened both years, if I'm not mistaken. He had something going on with his knee. Um, but I argue, you know, I've argued with people because I remember they asked me, like, top five centers in Lakers history. I put him on the board. Easily, like, there's no way, man. When you talk about uh, somebody with that skill level, size, touch, he had a little bit of athleticism. Um, and once he figured it out, man, he went on like a like a month and a half. It was like almost a month, month and a half, man, where I think he was putting up like 28, 15. It was something stupid. And it started, it started with the game that he gave the Clippers, like, 42. I think that was his career high. And it's like he figured it out. So in limited minutes, he was just running down, sealing, back to the basket. Like, they were just feeding him. Like, it was just night in, night out, night in, night out. And then he got hurt against Memphis. And you think it was a mentality thing and then moving on to Philadelphia, which is he just wasn't the same? I think – yeah, because I don't think it's that easy. You know what I'm saying? Already for somebody like like himself, um, and then to constantly be battling stuff, I just don't think it was it was that easy. And you know, sometimes you can get frustrated. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, people still wanted him because he's he's talent talented and and he has size. You know what I'm saying? Especially during that time, like you need big, but you can't get healthy, man. You can't can't be on the floor. It's tough. And uh, what about playing against Pau Gasol in practice every day and really being his teammate? I definitely got better, for sure. Because that was that was that was one of my matchups. Like I would have to guard him, or I would have to guard um, Lamar. So two years straight of that. You know what I'm saying? On both ends, and and I got better because of that. Like Pau was very gifted. He got a lot to his game. Um, I mean, 
those were the things that I was excited about and being a part of that team because you, you knew the practices, you was going to bring it. That's why the games would be easier because we all are playing against who we playing against in practice. So it's like when we come to games, we ain't thinking about no, you know what I'm saying? You're not thinking about nobody else because yeah. you know what you're going against day in and day out. So Powell's extremely gifted, man. T- talented, one of the best to do it. Um, obviously, he's a champion. Uh, so, you know, hats off to him. And now some exact moments from those two years with the Lakers. 2009 regular season, you mentioned it before, your first start against the Houston Rockets, 17-9. and Then in the playoffs, 10 points against the Rockets in game six of that year. What do you remember from those two games and going against Yao Ming at seven foot six? I, you know, having to guard him and go up against him, man, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it's a very fun experience, but I, like I appreciate those times because again, like me being six nine and every day I'm going against seven one, seven two. Um, and then even, you know, with Lamar being six nine and, and can do what he can do with the basketball, um, you just get up for games like that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know. I, I remember, you know, we had an altercation the night before, you know, in Portland. We were playing the Rockets the next day. And I was just geeked up about the opportunity because finally I'm like, I'm going to be able to show what I can do um, because of the suspensions and the fact that it opened up minutes. So it gave me a chance to play. And because I had started off early and played well the whole time, just that note, I mean, I just kept the momentum going. You know what I'm saying? I, I had a few dunks that game. I think I, I even caught Yao that game, matter of fact, on one play. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I think times like that, and it takes me back to how I grew up, um, where I come from, and just, you know, those moments of, you know, being an underdog and, and nobody really thinking about me and, and just taking advantage of the situation. I love it. And and that year you guys face Utah, Houston, Denver, and Orlando in the playoffs. Out of all those teams, you know, of course, superstars like D. Will, Yao, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, what team was the worst matchup? Not not player matchups. What overall team? Denver was the hardest one for us that year, for sure. I mean, them on the break, they had Melo, AI. Like, they, they just had a – it was ridiculous, man. Athleticism, you know what I'm saying? They I think from a team aspect, like, they were one of the top teams in blocking shots and stuff like like. Just those stats, you know what I mean, that people really don't talk about. But it was really scary, man. I mean, every game was kind of like that, even though we beat them four and took four to two. But that was our hardest series for sure. Ain't even close. Also in 2009, Jordan Farmer throws a bad pass. Stolen by Mario West. You're down at the other end. You're watching Shannon Brown just take off. He's going at Mario West, and he gets up and – swats him into next year. What do you remember watching that from the other end of the floor? I don't remember anything because I was the one setting the screen. And he didn't come – you know what I'm saying? So when we talk about – because that was Shannon's first game, right? That was right after the trade. Okay. So still – still, yeah, so still learning, you know, the triangle. And it was like we was, we was blowing them out the water. And uh, Shannon – I mean, you got to think, he jumped like that. He made that play, not playing the whole game. And literally, when he got in the game to make a play like that, that's ridiculous. That's what a lot of people don't know. So that's why I look kind of crazy, because I went to go set the screen. He came off. Mario, you know, made a great play. But how Shannon recovered and the fact that he did that, like. Not even warmed up yet. I mean that's insane, bro. Like some of like some of his highlights, bro, is insane. I remember he dumped on me one time. I had the offensive rebound. He came out of nowhere and dumped on me. I'm like, bro, what's up? Just crazy bounce. You know what I'm saying? Crazy bounce. His athleticism was crazy, man. He was a he was a true competitor. Um, I mean, just how he approached the game and and how he went at it too. You know, I remember he had a lot of times he talked crazy to Cove and be in practices. Everybody be having fun with it, man. But um, Shannon was always good for a highlight, man. I mean, it was ridiculous. You catch him on the break, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. You remember any dialogue from Shannon and Kobe? 
with Shannon telling him he's gonna put him on a poster? I remember they got the jawing in one one practice, and Cole started betting money, and then <laughs> he was like. What'd he say? I put my helicopter up or something. He said, real. I said, Cole, you being disrespectful, dog. Chill out. <laughs> Cause like one thing about Bean is like when when it starts, like when you when you start kind of getting under his skin just a little bit, he'll take it somewhere that he knows that everybody can't go there, man. Like when you start talking about money and doing like, bro, we can't do that. <laughs> and he got on that level, 61 points at MSG. You're right there watching that masterpiece. What do you remember from that? Kobe dropping 61 at the Garden. And what it felt like to be on the other end of 65 and three quarters. <laughs> so I've been a part of a couple of those. That's and right. I remember that was against Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. So it wasn't it wasn't no surprise watching it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just when you see guys have moments like that, you know, all you can do is appreciate it. But he had it on his mind, though, because that – it's crazy. It's like everybody that was um, going to New York that week, it was like Cleveland went first, then Boston, then us. And LeBron put up, was it 50 or 55, something like that. Uh, Paul Pierce put up 42 or something like that. And then we came in town. So I know Cove was just locked in and ready. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, it was a tough week for Wilson, man. Chandler, like it was, a, it was a tough, it was a tough week, bro. It was good because they had all home games during that stretch too, and it was like everybody was just coming in there like on one. And they probably beat them every time. Yeah, they. I think they lost. Yeah, I think they yeah. lost for sure. Two thousand nine. You guys are on Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, this this video has been going around the internet lately. Um, the entire team on the show. You're in there sitting behind D Fish and Powell. First, what do you remember about that? And how funny was hearing Kimmel tell Adam Morrison that he's baked? <laughs> well, starting with Adam, man, great guy, man. Really fun. Like, definitely enjoyed having him as a teammate and a brother. Um, but we would always joke with Adam like that because he was always so chill and just in his own world. So it was just funny as hell because we, we joked. For somebody else to say it, knowing that we always joke like that, it was crazy, but um, I always joke joke about the fact that, like, whenever I'm on TV, I call it, like, high mom time. So, for me, it's like, man, I, I enjoy those moments because even though we play on a big stage and we're on TV all the time, I think that's somewhat different. Like, that's more of that celebrity, you know, whatever. And it was, like, cool to be on the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool to be a part of something like that. And it's also cool that you know, we don't have to talk basketball so much where people get to see how we are as brothers and as teammates. You went in 2009, you went in 2010. Back-to-back -back years at the White House. Tell me about those experiences with Barack Obama joking around with you guys when you got in there with Kobe and all that. I, um, I mean, it was really kind of trippy, man, to be able to, to meet the president you know, go get the tour of the White House. Um, just that whole day. And it, the first time we went, it was around my birthday. So it was just real cool, like, as a birthday gift to kind of, you know, just do all that. You know what I'm saying? And it was just kind of surreal, man. Just and, and the fact that he, like, you know, he's referring to us all first name and, like, it's nothing. You know what I'm saying? So that was he's cool. A big, he's a big basketball fan. Yeah, man. So that was like cool. Like I missed the second year. I was with the Hawks uh, when they went the, the, the after on the back to backs. But um, I, I loved it, man. Being able to be in the suits and, and just laugh and joke with the guys, man. And then you know get a chance to to meet Barack was was really cool. Game six of the 2010 NBA Finals. Afterwards, heading into Game Seven, what was the vibe like with Kobe? Everything was all focused. That whole series, he would literally listen to the introduction song loud in his headphones. It was crazy. Like he was just in a zone. Like he just kept the Boston Celtics. Yeah, like so their their intro before like the game tips off. He got a copy of that 
and was listening to that on repeat, bro. Like it was loud. I'm talking about I had it up loud and he you just see him just locked in. We like, all right, he in his bag. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let him be. Man. And you guys and he delivered. You guys all delivered. Yeah. He did that the whole series though. He was locked in. You know what I'm saying? So you know, he, he wanted it so bad, which is I think I think that's why by the game seven, he had some of the struggles that he had because of how bad he wanted it. You know, he just needed to, you know, bring it back and calm down and then go forward because he had a strong fourth quarter. Championship parades, which one was better, 09 or 2010? Both for me. Uh, for one, um, the first one. You know what I'm saying? For me, the first one. Like, because obviously I never had a chance to be a part of a parade. Missed the chance in 2006, <laughs> but that's another time for another day. <laughs> um, but it was cool because like I had just um, had a daughter. I remember like when you get guys like Kareem, like he was he was feeding like he had he had held my daughter for a minute to feed her while I went upstairs and was like doing whatever. Um, I just remember cool moments like that, and then. Um, the other parade was great. The thing that I appreciate about the back to backs was I was able to bring my son on stage. So that was like, cool. Like I had just had a baby. He was like three months old and and like, he's on stage in pictures. Like that's something that can never take away from him. You know what I'm saying? Like he's forever a part of that, you know, which I would think is cool as hell for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and those moments, like, you know, obviously it just makes me think family, think about my kids um, and the fact that they were able to experience those things. So it was great, man. And, and to see the city of Los Angeles show up and show love like that, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Amazing stuff. And then 10 years after, of course, LeBron and AD win the title in 2020. Hey, listen, in the name of Kobe Bean Bryant, that's all I kept saying in the bubble. It's it's on like to be honest, it's only right, man. That city's that city been hurting. You know, they lost Nipsey, and then you lose Cole. Um, it's only right because not only did the Lakers win it, but the Dodgers won it. So it's just, you know, it's just one of those things, man. That sometimes the basketball guys will be kind to you, and and I also, you know, salute to LeBron because it's hard to say you're gonna do something and deliver. And the fact that he was just like, we're going to win this one for you. You know what I'm saying? It's only right, man. It's only right. If if it didn't happen, it would have just been not only bad for the league. I mean, uh, bad for Los Angeles. I, I think it would have been bad for the league. I, I just think that that's a beautiful story. Like, you know, to have what happened and then to bring a championship to that team, that organization. It's only right. The COVID-19 pandemic, of course, put an end to a lot of things. And, of course, the big three season. What's going on with that? Is, is it going to resume soon? And are you going to be playing again? Yeah, I, I think we're going to resume soon. They'll, they'll probably start kicking out emails probably like March. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they do like a combine right before the season jumps off. So we're not going to start probably not hearing about nothing until March, April. Um, and then go from there. But I, I would assume, I just talked to somebody about it the other day, that we, we, we should be good and, and be back rolling. So can't wait. can't wait. Good, dude. I got a lot of connections. And when you guys come to Brooklyn this year or anywhere in the East Coast, I'll be, I'll be there. So it'll be nice yes, to meet sir. you in person. So that'll, that'll be great. Absolutely. And is there somebody today who's retired that you would love to see in the Big Three? Former teammate, Jamal Crawford. Is going to put an end to the NBA hopes, or you think it's time for the big three? No, I think he can still get on. I wouldn't mind seeing him. I wouldn't mind seeing D-Wade. I just think it's a good look for, you know, guys that want to still hoop. And you, ain't, you don't necessarily have to beat your body up because it's half court, but you still got to be in shape and come with it because, you know, them guys, you know, we, we all take that thing serious. But for the culture – you know, and what Big Three is doing for a lot of families, um, you know, just a lot of fans, supporters. I think it's a beautiful thing, man, to to get, you know, guys in there and, and stuff like that, man. And plus, 
it's one of those atmospheres, you know, I don't know. Have you ever been to a game? No, I haven't yet. So when you do go, you'll see it, man. It's just the players, like, we're able to roam around the arena. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody can reach out and touch us. Like, it's, you know, people can kind of move how they want to move. It's not, it's not, you know, like how the NBA is like, which I'm not, it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But it is more of a family friend environment. So, you know, for people that come to want to see some of their favorites, you can get that autograph that you might not have been able to get at an NBA game or, or whatever. Like during the game, they allow that. And just like for us, if we're not playing yet, I can come out and I can watch the game and sit somewhere if I want to. I can sit anywhere if I want to. It's just cool. It's just real cool like that. And my last question to end it, when you think back years from now, when you tell your kids, your grandkids about knowing and being friends with Kobe Bryant, what are you going to tell them? Excellence. And to watch how he did it as a husband and as a father. It's not about basketball. It's about how he was as a human. That's the thing that I talk about mostly. And I think that's why so many people were affected by the news. Because everybody has a Kobe Bryant story. You didn't realize how many people were touched by Kobe Bryant, right, until you start hearing everybody come out with a story. And it's not just basketball players. It's entertainers. It's regular fans. It's, it's somebody that can say, man, he came here and did this. And I remember when he was cool and he, you know, spoke to me and took a picture. Like, he was just a real stand-up guy, you know? And especially to go from – the whispers of number eight to how they start whispering about him when he was 24. It changed the narrative. So regardless, me being on that team, I had a chance to understand him as a whole. And I get, I, I understand number eight and I understand number 24. And I definitely understand him in chapter two, the father, the husband, the businessman. Like that, that's what I want my kids, you know what I'm saying, to know and understand my grandkids, man. Because somebody on that level that had a heart that, the way that he did, man, he didn't have to do none of that. that. That's why you, you know, I applaud people that's doing, you know, some of the work and things that they're doing now. You know what I mean? How they're affecting the communities, changing lives, standing up for what they believe in. The list goes on and on and on. Or, or just being a good person or just being a, a great husband or or significant other or father like yeah man we we don't we don't see too many of those stories because we're always focusing on the the negatives you know and and uh, another example and i know this has nothing to do with what you're saying but at the same time i feel it does but think of all the negativity that was surrounding Kyrie, and then we're not talking about the the 1.5 that he put up to pay for this or the 200,000 that he put up to pay for food or the 300,000 that he put up to do groceries or the fact that he bought the, the Floyd family a house and all of this because we're why aren't you playing basketball 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 and he's doing things that were on his heart so I get it not saying that people are wrong for sharing their opinions but then it's like we focus so much on that that we don't see everything else that's going on. So, All right, Josh, thank you for coming on episode 26. But before you go, let the fans know where they could find you on social media and some, some stuff you're doing today. I saw you're hosting a new show. My social media handle is Josh21Power um, on Instagram. Uh, you can check, check me out at Reese Radio, R-E-E-C Radio. Um, which is me, Reese Sweeney, uh, Bevy Stitch, and, and Miss Juicy. Um, so we're actually going to officially launch February 15th. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm blessed to have this opportunity. It's a unique and a different opportunity, man. I'm excited about it. Um, also, check us out. I got a clothing line, a T-shirt, Shawty. Um, all about the positive vibes, you know what I'm saying? And, and we have... Shirts like Dear Queen, um, Your Love, Dear King, You Matter, um, Dear God, Thank You. Uh, to um, I just put out a, a, a hoodie, a shawty hoodie. Um, I just rocked another hoodie that'll be um, coming out soon, just joshing, you know, kind of like just playing. So um, we just got some cool stuff, man. And, and I think it just, it goes with everything today, just the vibes and 
just something that's uplifting. Um, and and I'm working on, you know, what I'm saying some some other things, man. Trying to trying to get this book put out, and um, I got a million stories, man. So just you know, just trying to do my part, man, and share, um, and just share with the, with the good people, man. So yeah, appreciate you, appreciate you for letting me let me talk about that. Josh, really, thanks again for coming on for a second time. Uh, episode 26 of Inside Buzz with two-time NBA champion Josh Powell. Thanks for listening, and Josh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, brother. Can't wait to do it again, man.